And a very good evening to you. Welcome along. It's time once again for the Big Kickoff Rugby Podcast, bigkickoff.com. My name's Peter Moore. And tonight I've been joined by a couple of uh, rugby experts to get a take on a huge amount of uh, talking points over the last few weeks. Uh, welcome to uh, Nathan from uh, the uh, the Spiral, Nathan Elliott, and uh, Nathan Jones, sorry. Uh, good evening to you, Nathan. Good evening, Peter. How are you doing? Very well. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you very much for having me on. Absolutely. Our pleasure, as always. We're going to be talking quite a bit about Irish rugby and Leinster as well, because you know, they've got a pretty big game coming up this weekend, uh, which we'll go into more as well. And as always, uh, pleasure once again to uh, welcome on board Debbie Knight and a wonderful cat as well. Hi, Debbie. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Very well. Lovely. <laughs> Good. At least it's got the cat's head to start with, not the bottom. Yeah, well, it does make a change, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sure the cat's pretty clued up on rugby as well, actually. <laughs> um, hopefully we'll be joined very shortly by Joe Harvey from Talking Rugby Union. I know Joe's had a manic uh, day today, but hopefully he can uh, come on board. Anyhow, let's get cracking. Huge amount to talk about in the next 35 minutes or thereabout. We're going to be looking back at the Six Nations. We're going to talk about Eddie Jones. Uh, also... Um, your player of the tournament as well. So it'd be interesting to see your take on who you feel has been the player of the uh, Six Nations. We'll also be talking uh, championship for Debbie's uh, point of view as well. Early seasons, early start, should I say, to the championship. Only a few rounds into it already. Gallagher Premiership. And, uh, of course, we've got this small matter of some European rugby to look forward to over the Easter weekend as well. But let's turn back the clock. Let's kick things off with the Six Nations. Do you feel, Nathan, that Ireland are moving in the right direction? Yes, and I believe that very strongly. Um, it was the defeat to Wales, which I think was particularly jarring at the beginning of the tournament. And then once that defeat came, and then it was followed up by the defeat to the French, obviously the narrative spirals out of control in terms of negativity then. All the way through, the players were saying, you just got to believe in us, you got to back us, it's coming. If you were looking at the same pictures we're looking at behind closed doors, something's going to click, the performance is coming. It kind of got there against Scotland. And then, of course, it, it famously did. Um, everything seemed to click against England. And everything went, went right that day. So that, that narrative was definitely um, and proved true. And you know, we, should have, we should have listened to them when they were saying, look, you need to, you need to believe in us here. Um, and I think that's fair enough. I think you know, it's, it's probably easy to say without a red card in the first game that that result could have been different. But I do think Ireland showed some decent pictures. They made plenty of mistakes and... Um, some bad defensive reads in the wide channels allowed Wales to get those couple of tries. But I think in general, generally I would have been part of the group of people that was saying, look, things are looking good. I mean, the big issue for Ireland ever since the end of the Joe Schmidt area has been the attack and how, how predictable is the attack and heads up rugby and all this. And Stuart Lancaster has been brought into Leinster to, to fix everything like this, etc. Um, and, you know, against Wales and France, it looked blunt at times, but I was always of the opinion that, there were a few passages of play that showed that something was coming together nicely. Um, and it did. So, look, it's easy to take the last game of the tournament and say it was positive and it was great. Um, but I do think overall, as the tournament went on, Ireland progressed really nicely. We're potentially a red card away from winning four out of five games and therefore being up at the top of the table. So, look, coming into it, you would have taken two defeats, just maybe not necessarily against Wales, but Wales went on to win the tournament. So, I, full, full disclosure, I'm definitely one, always in, more in the optimistic camp, um, and that might be to my my own naive detriment sometimes. I've, I've definitely had some engagement with people online who say I'm too optimistic for my own good. But I definitely have this side, I, I definitely do believe in a lot. I think they're definitely progressing in the right way. 
Um, you've got some guys coming into some form now who are entering the peak ages of their career of the late 20s, your Henshaws, your Burns, Furlong is as good as he ever was. Um, you know, the Sexton question is an issue, but as long as he's still going, you let him at it and you hope someone like Joey Carberry comes up behind him. Um, so the spine, you know, even Murray looked like he's hitting, he's hitting a bit of former there. So there is a really good spine of the team with, with a lot of arguably even better youngsters coming through. Um, we missed out on seeing Kalen Doris in this, in this tournament. Um, I would have loved to have seen him with a full, a full five games under his belt in a proper Six Nations. Um, he had a, some scary concussion symptoms without necessarily getting back on the head. So hopefully he's okay. But so yes, with, with all those things going on and the perform- so you have the personnel side of things, but also the performance side of things definitely skewed in the di- right direction. And Ireland improved um, the longer they stayed in camp, which is all that, that's a, that's a sign that the coaching staff is, is is getting through to the players and they're buying into what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I, I definitely think that they're moving in the right direction. Right, come back to you shortly, um, Debbie. <sighs> Nathan says uh, Ireland are moving in the right direction. Uh, do we feel England are moving in the right direction? I think we know they're probably not, don't we? <laughs> I mean, you, you didn't ask me the question, did, did, they, did they perform as expected? For me, actually, I think they probably did perform as I expected them to. Um, hugely disappointing. Mm. Um, and I can't, I can't really take anything good from England's Six Nations other than the fact that I hope it means that Eddie Jones will bring in some fresh faces. But I have a horrible feeling that he might not. Um, I thought it was very poor. Um, I tipped France to win the, the Six Nations and actually England beating them. And, th- and that, was a, that was a very good game. Mm-hmm. Um, and England played well. But... You know, an England team with the resources that they have and the number of players that they can go to should not be finishing fifth in the Six Nations. I thought it was poor in the extreme. Very disappointing. We, we've been down this road before, Debbie, haven't we, where England have had a poor Six Nations. Uh, everyone then starts calling for certain people's heads. Uh, not that I'm calling for Eddie Jones's head. I must, I must make that 100%. Frank, um, he is going to face criticism, understandably so, whether it be through team selection, whether it be through tactics. Uh, it's all about results. Yeah, obviously, of course, we all know that. But, I mean, look at Wales. Wales were poor, weren't they, in that last Six Nations? But they've improved, haven't they? So sides can turn it around. Do you feel England can turn this poor run of form around? I actually think that England won two trophies last year in spite of how they were playing I I thought they were poor last year Um, you know and and I have to say I do tend to buy tickets to go and watch England I'm very glad I hadn't paid a hundred pounds a pop to go and watch them play this year because the rugby that they were playing was dull rugby you know and there are some very talented backline players Mm. you know Eddie Jones He's an innately stubborn man, it seems to me. Um, And it almost seems that the more the shout comes for certain players to be included, the less chance we've got of that happening. I I know that you will have watched Harlequins at the weekend. You know, and I I watched Danny Kerr, and I I am a Danny Kerr fan anyway. Why was he excluded? That, That man has a spark when it comes to coming in. 
he has a spark when he starts, but let alone coming in off the bench. Um, he's, he, uh, Debbie, he's in the form of his life at the moment. He really yes, is, he honestly. Did, he really is. Yeah, he really he, is. Trust you know, me. He's not the only one that wins, is he, that is? Uh, well, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a few of them. I totally agree with you. I mean, I was on a Zoom call with um, uh, Harley Quinn's earlier today with uh, Jerry Flannery, and obviously one of the media guys' questions was about, look, you know, you've got Mike Brown playing really well at the moment. Yeah. True, all right. You, you could argue that Mike Brown is past his best. I don't know. Who, who can tell? But Danny Kerr certainly isn't, no. Oh, you've not. got a Lions uh, tour coming up shortly. Surely a guy like Danny Kerr could get into a Lions tour. I mean, you know, forget his age. Look how well he's playing. I'm actually, that's the one, well, I'm, I've struggled to pick a nine and a 10 for a Lions team. Mm. I really have, because I mm. don't think that any of the teams have had someone that's shone, really, in either of those positions. Yeah, he's got to be an outside shout for that. I, I, Marcus, you know, Marcus Smith, that lad actually is an innately talented fly half. But he manages the game incredibly well as well. Um, do we want to see him stifled by Eddie Jones? If that's what happens, I wouldn't wish to see that happen. Um, but we have to have changes for mm. England. And that's no disrespect to the other teams. I thought Ireland played really well in particular, actually. Um, they were really good for their win. I think we had the unfortunate incidents with the referee for Wales, but Wales would have won that game without those two tries. Um, France, yeah, they bet they bettered them on the day, which was great. And Scotland came in knowing what we were going to do and completely stifled it. You know, and we the, we have to have a team that can actually change the way they're playing and play what's in front of them. And at the moment, that England team can't, it seems to me, or won't. I think it's a yeah, it could be a can't a can't stroke won't. To be honest with you, Debbie, yeah. I think a lot of it goes down to Eddie Jones. As you said, I totally go along with what your point was earlier, uh, Debbie. I think he is a stubborn man. Uh, and I, I've said it before, and, I, and I'm not talking out of turn here. I do feel he's got players that he will play, whether they're in form or not. Now, at the end of the day, surely, if you're a coach, <laughs> you can't have this sort of favourite side all the time. Because, you know, if, if players are out of form, they shouldn't be playing. It's simple as that. If they're in form... Surely get them in there. All right. If they fail, they fail. But at least you've given them opportunities, haven't you? I'll come back to you in a minute, Debbie. But what's your take um, from an Irish point of view, Nathan, on you know what we've been talking about just now? And of course, Eddie Jones in particular. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I watch a lot of premiership rugby through some work I do for Saints. So, you know, I see guys like Danny Kerr tearing it up or Marcus Smith or... You know, before he got picked in the squad, I was I really enjoyed watching Paolo Adogu up at Wasps. Mm. So I was delighted to see him get picked. But I agree, there's been a lot of criticism that it makes no sense to take him into a squad for eight, nine weeks and not give him a game. So I agree with that. And then not sending him back to Wasps um, for game time. And I don't know what the English rules were about the bubbles, but um, about whether they could move between club and international bubbles. But I know for Ireland, for example, Josh van der Fleer didn't get picked one week. Will Connors got picked ahead of him and Philip was playing for Leinster that week. So obviously there was something different going on there. I think Jones definitely pinned his hopes on his, his core players that he trusts um, and it backfired on him. I think he, he, he gave the likes of, you know, Debbie, we've spoken about Billy Vunapola and whether he should have been given that run of game time he needed to get into form. He trusted them and he gave them that, that game time to get into form and it backfired. And the question now is, is that acceptable in a Six Nations tournament to do that? Can you give those players that you trust 
that that time and that patience. And I suspect in this big debrief he's going to have with the RFU, I suspect he's going to be told that he shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I probably don't necessarily share the scepticism around the style of play because I always think when England get it right, they're they're almost impossible to play against. I think against Wales when they came back into it after the the fourteen point howler in the first half. I think they played some really nice running rugby. I thought George Ford actually pulled the strings pretty nicely. He put some players through a few gaps. Um, the Anthony Watson try in the corner, I thought, was really well constructed. Just an example of what England can do when they've got their big ball carriers going forward, which is frightening because they've got bigger ball carriers than mm. most other teams. And then you've got the likes of Watson running at a, at a retreating defence. So I think it's, it's... I wouldn't have... I mean, I say the same thing about Ireland. They're never as bad as anyone says they are. I don't think this England side is, is as bad as anybody as anybody thinks they are after losing a game like that game to Ireland. Um, but I, that's just the nature of it, isn't it? Every, every, you're never as good as you are when you people say you are when you're in, and you're never as bad as you are as you are when you when, when you lose. So um, I probably wouldn't share this skepticism. And England are definitely a team that I would always remain wary of, um, especially under Eddie Jones. As much as there are times he frustrates me, I do rate him as a coach. Mm. So just wrapping up our uh, Six Nations uh, take then. Uh, I said it earlier. I'm going to come to Debbie first of all. Just one only, your player of the tournament. You can have anybody you want, but only one. I'm picking from three in the back row, actually. So I, ah. I'm between Hamish Watson, CJ Stander and Tao Lupe Falatau. Um, and I think I have to go with Falatau. I think he was back to his absolute best. And ta- his absolute best is world class for me. Interesting. He's my man of the tournament. Yeah, thank you for that. Nathan, who, who would you go along with? Well, it's tough, it's tough to not go with the Welshman, um, considering they won the tournament. Um, but I think it just shows... It goes, I don't think they were necessarily as good as a, fi- as a five-win team traditionally has been in the tournament. Um, at, at the start of the tournament, they improved greatly. Uh, I'd love to go for one of the Irish lads, but I think we started the tournament too mm. off kilter. So I'm going to go for Gail Fiku. I think he came alive as a ball carrier in that 12 channel and Sean Edwards seems to really like him as a defender. Um, mm. Lots of people have been talking about how he was France's defensive captain. Um, even when he played on the wing against Scotland, he seemed to be the, the big voice in that. And he, he really he seems to have added a, another dimension to his game. Brilliant. Very, very interesting points of view there. Excellent. Thanks for those. Um, uh, so that's what our panelists uh, consider. You, you're listening to the uh, Big Kickoff Rugby podcast, bigkickoff.com, with uh, Nathan Jones and Debbie Knight, myself, Peter Moore. So we're going to move on to the Gallagher Premiership. I know Nathan said that you, you do watch a, a fair amount of uh, Gallagher Premiership. Um, it's been brilliant so far. We've obviously had a break now. As it stands at the moment, obviously the side to beat, it's definitely Bristol Bears. They're on top with 61 points. Exeter sit, uh, surprisingly, some people would have thought, just in second. At the moment, uh, 12 points behind Bears. Sal are in 46. Harlequins, with this magnificent run at the moment, are in 45 points. Northampton, 41. Leicester, 40. Not a lot to choose between Exeter, Sal, Quinns and Northampton. Uh, and, of course, Leicester also as well. At the bottom, Worcester... <sighs> I can't really see them getting too far away from the bottom, actually. They've only got 18 points at the moment. How how do you have seen the uh, Gallagher Premiership uh, basically over in Ireland, Nathan? Uh, have you enjoyed it? And anybody surprised you? Or what's your take on it? Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly. It's, um, it's refreshing to see 
tight 60 plus point games on a regular basis. I think there was two last week where both teams scored 30 and there was a point or two in it. Um, mm. I mean, it's all, it's on one level, I'm surprised by Bristol and another, I'm not. I'm surprised that the style of rugby they play is proving as sustainably successful as it is because historically that style, you know, mm. it knackers teams out halfway through the season. But equally, I'm not surprised because Pat Lamb coached a very similar style over in Connacht. Um, so we saw him over there and he's just taken it to a next level at Bristol with the funding that he has there. Um, it's, it's just really refreshing to see a league that's competitive because obviously being an Irishman and following the Pro 14, um, it's, it's, it's quite mundane at times. I mean, it's not, I, I enjoy watching Leinster win every week, albeit they did have a, have a shock defeat to Ospreys last week. But um, it's, it, it's, it's really refreshing to see a league that's, that's competitive and attacking as well. Um, it seems like a lot of teams are, even the teams that pick the, the giant South Africans up front, like you're saying, they, they still throw the ball about a bit when they need to with the likes of McGinty back there. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. Debbie, I know you're thoroughly enjoying it. Obviously, uh, watching uh, from a distance, so to speak. Um, any surprises, or what's your uh, personal opinion so far? I, I, again, I am abs- I'm absolutely loving it. I'm not again. I'm not surprised by Bristol, and it's been good to see them actually grind out some results as well as run rampant, if you like. Um, I I think that Exeter are managing their workload. So uh, what, what I actually really enjoyed last weekend, if we put sale to a degree to one side, was a number of really quite young English players that were playing in those first teams. You know, I thought we saw some absolute young talents coming through. Uh, and I think that's very promising for the future of Premiership Rugby. Quinns, <laughs> I don't know what Paul Gossard must be thinking, but they're, they, they're back to the Quinns of old, aren't they? You know, they're playing some fantastic rugby and that, uh, and that's a good thing, really. You know, I, I, don't, I don't have the... I just enjoy watching good rugby. I, I don't have any particular likes or dislikes when it comes to teams. Um, Wasps, I think, have been a bit of a surprise mm. in their lack of form, actually. That would be the one surprise for me. I'm very glad that Northampton Saints are back to where they were this time last year. Because, again, they've got some very fine young English talent in that team. Uh, yeah, fa- it's a fantastic competition. I love it. Similarly, I can't wait for the European rugby this weekend. No, neither can I. And we will be moving on to that at some point, Debbie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lovely on cue there. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> just quickly going back to Harlequins. I mean, yeah, it has been a magnificent... I mean, it's been a complete change. If you'd have seen this side at the end of... Paul Gussard's reign, and you see them now, they, they just look an entirely different side. I mean, I think I said it on one of the last podcasts, I think really everybody's been given a free reign now. Go out and play your natural game. And it works. I mean, you know, all right, you, you could sit down and say, and they aren't the finished product yet. Everyone says that at Queen's, to be honest. They are not the finished product yet. Uh, yes, they're well up there and they deserve to be up there. And to be fair, they're probably one of the most exciting sides to watch in the, in the premiership. And anybody will tell you that from a distance, but they just need that little bit of um, extra, I wouldn't say effort, but to go on and win tight games. Um, it's happened three times this season. They've lost games to Newcastle, Exeter, and of course, Bristol last week as well. Remember they were 12 points up at one stage. Uh, Debbie in particular, 
they just need to just know how when they play against these big sides and they they got a big test this week obviously against Holston which we will talk about shortly um they need to just get that little bit of um I won't say belief, they've got the belief, but it's the nous to try and just get over the line. Uh, that will come, admittedly, but it's because it, they, it, they haven't been in this position for a very long time. I think that's what you've it, got to remember. It's the game management, isn't it? You know, I yeah. mean, that, that one of the biggest examples of that, of course, was Bruce, Bruce, Bryce Doolan at the weekend. No, he kicked the ball out and win the game. I mean, that, that, was an, that was an extreme, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, I think Marcus Smith's through the most of the run of the game. I think his game management is superb, actually, and he clearly is. He is an, he's a hugely talented rugby player. Um, yeah, I, I, I really hope that they finish in that top four. And when we talk about Exeter Chiefs, that's all they have to do. Doesn't matter if they're twelve points behind Bristol. Mm. You know, I, I, people haven't to worry about who's going to finish top because. Nobody remembers that when we get when we have had that playoff. It's the person that goes home with the trophy. Is Absolutely, the spot on. Is the one that matters, you know. And they they blooded some new young players last week, um, and and that's great. You know, players that were playing in the championship last yeah. year. How good is that? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is good for English rugby, obviously, more than anything, it is. isn't it? Yeah. By far and away. Um, Debbie, I'm going to quickly stick with you. Um, the championship has started now. Ealing played 4-1-4. You'd expect them to be up there, obviously. Uh, yeah. They were one of the sides, along with Saracens, who most people were tipping up. Doncaster, surprise packet already? Good for them. Thank you. I'm very, I was very happy that they beat Cornish Pirates. I, have to I, say I thought you something. would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about Doncaster, I must, I must admit. Um, you know, we've... Saracens... I'm sure that Saracens, the club, didn't think this would be a walkover. I'm ashamed to say that I think some fans did. Mm, mm. And quite honestly, more for them if they did. Because this is actually, what, what I'm seeing is actually, it's quite, it's tough rugby, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, th I think some things are refereed differently. Um, and that's taken Saracens time to get used to that. Uh, you know, Richmond, we're looking at semi-pro players there and they did really well against Saracens at the weekend. Mm. It's actually just a shame that we can't be there as fans and actually help put some money into those clubs. Really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, good, good grief. <laughs> I think they'd all say here, here to that, wouldn't they? Uh, understand yeah, definitely. How yeah, do definitely. you feel Saris have started off, Debbie? You know, I mean, they only play, is it two or three games now? Three, three, or, three isn't it? Now. Yeah. I think they're, they've not, it's unfortunate that they, we haven't got a game this weekend um, because momentum is quite important, isn't it? Yeah. I, th I actually think that for me, Jackson Ray was the man of the match last weekend. It was given to Jamie, but actually Jamie George being there made a big difference. You know, that they're, they're not, the team that have been playing have not been without lacking in experience. Mm. You know, we had a World Cup winner in the front row. Imagine if you're if you're a semi-professional player and you're rocking up mm. against a World Cup winner. <laughs> wow, amazing! They they they've been a bit disappointing, if I'm honest. You know, their set pieces haven't been brilliant. They really need to go on and have bonus point wins from now on. Mm. It's, you know, that's the only chance they've got of actually. I think the the playoff final. I'll be amazed if it's not Ealing. 
um, mm. and they will be very tough opposition as and when. Brilliant. Right. Uh, we, we've talked about it. We've alluded to it. Champions Cup rugby this weekend. We've also got the Challenge Cup. Let's kick off with the Champions Cup. And Nathan, I think you can have first take. Uh, your boys are up against uh, Toulon. Um, how do you see that one going? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, normally when the French sides come over with their massive packs, and Toulon definitely do have a big pack. I think Etza Beth has been playing at six for them recently. Charles Royvon also, he'll come back into that side. And then they've got Crow in the front row. So they've got some big boys up there. But normally when the French sides come over to the RDS in Dublin, um, Leinster have been pretty good at nullifying that threat. I mean, the most recent example probably would be... Um, in terms of playing in Dublin, it would be Toulouse in 2018. We won two games against them there. And then we went to Montpellier in, I think it was November, December time, and beat them pretty handily. And they had a massive pack. Um, so I'm not too worried about that, to be perfectly honest with you. I think Leinster are, are well-equipped in the physicality stakes to take on those bigger sides. Um, what worries me slightly is what Toulon have on the outside. I think Man Nanu's injured. Um, I need to double check that, but obviously they've got Louis Carbonell at 10. He's quite a bit of a live wire. Um, I was really shocked, actually. Uh, so he played, he started on the bench against Italy for France, but then not being injured, he got yanked off the bench for Ireland and, and France just carried 110 in their match day 23. So that, to me, makes it sound like that um, Galtier in the French setup doesn't trust him as much. Um, I don't know what, what that translates to as club level. I've only watched him once this year and he absolutely tore it up against Exeter. Um, in the Champions Cup. So he's he's terrifying, I think, as a prospect, but also I think another one who can, can potentially blow hot and cold. But um, I think in the grand scheme of things, this isn't the Toulon side that had thwarted Leinster, what, five years ago, however long it was ago now, when they won their three in a row. So I think Leinster would be pretty well equipped to deal with that big pack up front. And, and if anything, they'll probably look to target the likes of Carbonell defensively. Another Irish side in action, uh, Munster. They're up against... Uh... Uh, Toulouse, um, how do you see that one going, Nathan? That's another. That's that's. I think that's going to be a tighter one, and the consensus opinion is that one is more of a threat for an away win. I mean, it's never easy to travel that to Limerick and play in Tomans, but mm. you know, if any, they're Munster are one of the teams that suffer the most from not having a crowd. I think um, Toulouse. I mean, we all know that they've been brilliant um, in the top fourteen, so that's going to be a really interesting one because they come over with the big pack, but they also come over with the with the entire back line to back that up. I mean. You know, it'll be probably some combination of Dupont and Tamak. I don't know whether he'll play ten or twelve. So that's 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 a, that's a terrifying prospect, no matter who you are playing against. That um, I think that'll be quite tight. I think Munster will be pretty fired up after losing to Leinster. To be perfectly honest with you, um, so I, I I do think if, in a, if it's a tight game, I think I would I would back them at home. But um, equally, if, if Munster have to are in a position to chase that game against that Toulouse side, I think I think they're struggling. I really do. Debbie, uh, let's look at the English clubs in action then. Wasp, we talked about them earlier. Uh, they are home to Claremont. Uh, Exeter, also home tie. They face uh, Leon. Interesting one as well. Gloucester against La Rochelle. I'm actually, I'm, I, I think Exeter will beat Leon. I mean, Ex Exeter, Leon, when I looked at a while, but were sort of mid table. And I think that we what the team that we saw for Exeter last weekend was because of the game that we've got coming this weekend. You know, you're going to have Stuart Hogg back in there. You're going to—I don't know if Gray is fit or not—but um, I don't see Leon passing Exeter. 
I think the nearly men being Claremont Van. I think I, I, I'm a quite, I am quite a big fan of wasps actually. I can't see them getting past mm. Claremont Van, in spite of the fact that actually the French don't like to seem to like to travel. Um, and actually Gloucester, we, we had this question and I think it was Joe Nathan that said that he really liked La Rochelle, so he was going to back them. Well, I actually really like Gloucester. So I'm so I, so I'm going to back Gloucester for this one, you know. I, they haven't really performed terribly well this year, but they've lost some very narrow games, Gloucester. Um, I'm hoping that they're going to lift themselves for Europe, and we're going to see. So I'm a Gloucester win, an Exeter win, but I'm sorry, Wasps. I think that might be their last European game this season. And the only other one, Debbie, we haven't okay, mentioned yet. It, yeah, the only other one we haven't mentioned yet is uh, Racing against Edinburgh. Oh, Racing Edinburgh, yeah, mm. I, 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 that, uh, that's a home win for me. It's an. Un- <laughs> I, have you been to that stadium, either of you? No. It's. No. I mean, my, my daughter lives in Paris, so I'm lucky. I've been there quite a few times now. Mm. It's very, very unusual. It really is, um, and I think probably to the detriment of a visiting team. Actually, I think the Scottish players within the Edinburgh team will be on a high after their Six Nations, which was very good. Let's give a word for Scotland. They've played very well. Um, but Racing, with the players that they have at their disposal, yeah, I think they're going through. And just quickly on the Challenge Cup, Debbie, some interesting ties. Obviously, the English clubs are Bath away at uh, Zabray, London Irish up against Cardiff Blues, Newcastle, they have to travel to Ospreys, Northampton, they have to travel to Dragons, Leicester against Connell. And the big one, of course, Harlequins against Ulster. I'll come on to Nathan's take with Ulster in just a minute. Debbie, that is a is that not the tie of the round, you feel? Oh, the Quinn's tie, yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah, that has to be. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at Montpellier Glasgow there, but yeah, I think that Quinn's surpasses that one, Ulster. You know, two very good teams. Um, difficult one to call that one. And Nathan will have more to say about that. I think uh, London Irish are at times wow this season, aren't they? They've some of the tries that they've scored; they're just magical. Um, I, I'm struggling to see the Welsh teams beating the English teams on mass. Sorry, Wales, bit, bit much when they've just won the Six Nations. But I am struggling to see much in the way of Wales going forward. But we must give a mention, actually one of the other ties of the round against the two teams that haven't won a game. So, <laughs> Benetton and Ajon. Yes, <laughs> Who's going to win that one? Yeah. <laughs> so come on then, Nathan, your take on the Irish clubs. We'll start with Ulster. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I tell you what, that's going to be a really high-scoring game. Uh, yeah. I, watched Qu- I watched Quinn's Northampton a few weeks ago and that, that game, just endless ball and playtime and both teams running from end to end. Ulster will do something very similar to what Saints did that day. We all know Quinns love the, the unstructured and, and just running the leather off it when it, off, off turnover ball. Ulster have a serious back line. Um, they've got a really, some really good young talent, particularly in that back three. Robert Balakoon's an absolute flyer on the wing and Mikey Larry's an out-half playing, playing at 15. And despite his small size, he's really good in the air, but I can't see Quinns kicking a lot to him anyway. Um, but you know, he's, he's a really good attacking threat as well. I think where Ulster have struggled in the past in big games is up front. Um, their pack is... Their pack lacks depth and it's slightly undersized against bigger teams. I don't know how well-equipped Quinns are to deal with that. I think if anything, Quinns will want to take them on up front a bit and slow it down to try and test that. Um, you know, In Ulster's most recent big game against Leinster, 
they tried to go wide wide but just got blown out blown out of the park up front um i think a lot will depend on how quins can get if quins can really target them there target them at the set piece um and i know with with flannery there and that coaching setup they probably almost definitely will um i think they've got a good shout but if it's uh if it's another shootout like it has been with, with quins so often this season um i think i think it's just going to be a case of whoever makes the least amount of errors wins that game um Ulster at home, I probably would just about back them. I think, I think they've struggled against bigger sides up front, but I don't think Quinns are the biggest side in the world up front. But it's going to be an absolutely fantastic watch, and you're right, tie of the round for sure. Uh, Connell against Leicester. Again, a funny one. Connacht, Connacht always seem to take a step forward and two steps back. Mm. Um, you know, they had a fantastic result against Leinster a couple of months ago, and then they, they put up a bit of a, a bit of a dismal showing. Then after that. Um, you know, they've really threatened against Munster for a while, but kind of imploded as well in that Pro 14 game. Um, they're really well coached. Andy Friend is an absolute class act over there. Um, and he makes the best out of their limited resources. Um, Leicester are another one who've kind of they've kind of been a bit a little bit similar, haven't they, with their form? Kind of it's it's been very up and down. So it's um it's really tough to call. Uh I think the Irish types, the Irish sides tend to target Europe a little bit more, don't they? Um so I think I think comic I think I'm gonna I'll go with Connacht on that one. Brilliant, um, Debbie. Last word with you. I know uh, you sent me a text, and I want to talk about WXV. We've got a couple of minutes left, so go for it. <laughs> Fantastic news for the women's game. Um, yeah. Basically, a new tournament, a 16-team tournament with three tiers. One of the most important things: 6.4 million to be invested in the first two years. I mean, basically at the moment, the women's game is very lopsided. You know, certainly if we look at the six nations, out of 25 competitions, England have won 16 titles. Well, funny that, they're one of the only teams that's actually professional, mm. you know, and, and they cannot be an evening up until that changes. I mentioned in another uh, one of these that I did that I watched England play Scotland a few years ago. They won 89 nil. That, and that that is no good for anybody. Um, so we'll have the top three of the six nations in two, in the first level with one of Australia, Canada, New Zealand or the USA. And then and then in the first year, there is going to be no relegation from that. And this is going to be something interesting, actually, for the six nations, because there is going to be relegation and promotion. And then in this and, and in the second tier, two European teams, one of Oceana, Oceana, Asia and Africa. And then there'll be a tier three as well. The interesting thing for me when I looked at this is that actually 21 teams have played in the Women's World Cup and 13 have tried to qualify. That's an awful lot of countries playing mm. rugby. It is. Which and is I good, think, isn't it? That's yeah, good. it is good. Yeah, it is. Really I think it's, I think, you know, I... For me, obviously I love rugby, but I, but I want to see girls exercising mm. because they don't, they very often don't. And anything that will get girls exercising uh, can be only a good thing, you know, and they can see some of their idols playing sport at the top level. Absolutely. But that, that's the most important thing for me in this. Yeah. I think it's, it's great news. 
100%. I totally, totally echo that. On that note, we have come to an end of our time here with the big kickoff rugby podcast. My thanks to Debbie Knight. Thanks very much, Debbie. Uh, Nathan, thank you. thank you also for your splendid time as well. Um, we will be back uh, very, very shortly in the next couple of weeks or so talking more rugby. But from Debbie, Nathan and myself, Peter, thank you very much for listening. Take care. Stay safe. And bye-bye for now.